Man, the me that woke up from a nap an hour ago wouldn't believe we're here. Because I didn't think I was going to make it. <laughs> we made it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Nice to Have a Friend podcast. This episode is spooky edition because it is currently thundering and raining outside, which if you know anything about Lauren as an Enneagram 9 soul, this is like my dream weather. So this is about to be a great episode. Raise the roof. Does that, Go, I don't know if that has anything to do with you being an Enneagram 9. I think that's just Yes, it does. <laughs> No, it is. it has everything to do with an Enneagram 9, Allison. We are like the cozy queens. Did I you not say know? I will no, I just woke up from a nap and I'm drinking coffee and I'm going to have to cut out me swallowing into the microphone because I'm not trying to do ASMR. I just realized that. Hey, maybe uh, that could be like a new um, audience for us. Like we could hashtag ASMR. Just Allison drinking coffee. Yeah, but I did just take a nap because as we talked about in the last episode, I have a new job now where I run the teleprompter for a new station from 4 to 9 a.m., which is actually really not that bad. It's just the getting up. And I was so tired today because I ran when I got back home. So I told Lauren, I'm going to take a nap before we get started. And I just woke up about 30 minutes ago and I'm feeling a little tired. So <laughs> it's a great way to start talking about the Enneagram because I don't know, naps have something to do with that. Maybe it's because my truer self comes out when I'm sleepy. Yeah, but if you can't tell by the title and the like weird things that we've said already, today's episode is all about the Enneagram. Whether you love it or hate it, today we're talking about the Enneagram and all of its forms and all of the ways it shows up in our lives and we're super excited about it. But first, Allison, how has your week been as a whole? It's been okay, you know? It's just still getting used to things. Uh, trying to not get mad when things aren't the way that they were supposed to be. But I think a lot of people are in the same boat. But like we talked about last week, it's just uh, some days you have to sit in it and some days you have to say, okay, get over it. So I was having one of those days yesterday um, and I called my mom and she is always really good about helping me talk myself out of my moods because I knew that I was in one, but I just needed to talk myself back into the right mood. And so I kind of adjusted things today, went for a run, ate a good lunch, watched some YouTube videos with my roommate, Zari, uh, and then I took a nap. So it's just kind of sometimes you just have to adjust, you know? But how are you doing? Well, that's so funny that you said you were in a mood yesterday because I feel like I was in a mood yesterday all day long I was just like one thing was stressful in the beginning of the morning like not even one like tangible thing like I was just kind of stressed when I started the day and then every single thing that I thought about or went through for the rest of the day felt like super stressful for some reason which doesn't happen to me a lot but it was just like I was on this spiral of anxiety not like an anxiety attack but just like Everything that I love in my life felt like overwhelming yesterday. So I feel like that happens to me. I feel like that happens to everyone. But yeah, I just feel like I got off on a better foot today. So it's been really good. But other than that, this has been a good but kind of weird week. Monday night, um, it was like 1045 and I was about to go to sleep and I went <gasps> and like rolled over super fast to Preston, my husband. And I was like, we had tickets for a seven o'clock movie tonight at Regal. And he was like, what? And I was like, we had movie tickets to see Tenet. Like it was an early release showing. We just didn't show up, like totally forgot about it. Just our Did seats you have to were pay empty. For them? 
we have Regal Unlimited, so I think we had to pay 50 cents. But I just feel so bad for taking up, like, two seats in an already very limited movie theater. But I would never do that intentionally, and I will probably never do it again. Never have done that before, but I still felt so bad. Like, for an hour, I felt like I couldn't go to sleep because I felt so guilty. <laughs> Oh my goodness. See, I wouldn't have probably felt guilty if that was me, but I get upset when I feel like I missed something I was looking forward to. Exactly. We were looking forward to that movie so much. We booked the tickets like two weeks ago, which was our first problem because we usually don't plan our movies very far in advance. But yeah, so that kind of got my week off to like a weird start. But it's okay. We're on the up and up, you know? We're making it and we're trying to move forward. It's almost the weekend, so only goes up from here, right? Yeah, we're surviving, not thriving, but it's okay. Well, as Lauren mentioned, today we are going to talk about the Enneagram. Now, if you have listened to our most recent episode, which was our surprise folklore-centered episode, Lauren got very, very excited. I feel like you went off on a lot of very long, good rants, not in a bad way, but just because you love Taylor Swift, and you could talk about oh, Taylor yeah. Swift all day long. I am like that with the Enneagram and I don't think I fully realized how much that I have really learned and how many resources that I have kind of taken into the back of my head until we started planning for this episode. Yeah, me either. Lauren and I actually met on Tuesday of this week. It's Thursday right now. And Lauren, um, long story short, she was on a boat for some reason for her job. They were on the Tennessee River in a boat. Don't, no, I don't we why. weren't on the Tennessee River, but you weren't, we were What on. river were you on? I don't know. We were you on, on a body of water. <laughs> I love how you're like, yeah, I don't know why Lauren was on a boat and I'm sitting right here and could answer why to the readers. I meant it more in a rhetorical trying to be funny sense and that your job, you were on a boat and we were supposed to meet. And so I just went ahead and got there and Lauren's, there was an issue with getting gas in the boat. So it took her a little while to get back to me, but I just sat there for an hour and was just writing down all these things that I wanted to cover and wanted to keep track of and wanted to make sure that we presented in a way that was hopefully informational but also entertaining and yeah that I just feel like that also goes into my type as well but we'll get to that in a minute I was so surprised too Allison honestly by how much you had like learned about the Enneagram when I got there and was like catching up on everything that you had written down I was like dang I knew Allison like knew a lot about the Enneagram but I didn't know that you knew that much So I'm really excited for this episode. So today, Lauren and I kind of want to cover three big things. The first of which is, what is it? Because we kind of know that there's three routes you could take with this. You're either like us, you know what it is, you know your type, and you're pretty familiar with it. Or you're someone who has just seen it on Instagram a lot, and you're just thinking, this is really stupid. It's just another personality thing. I don't really want to pay attention to this. Or you may have never come across it at all. And so we want to try and kind of scoop a good, broad sense of what the Enneagram is for people in all three of those camps because we personally feel like it's a really helpful tool Um, it is a personality typing system but I think that it's very fluid and dynamic and kind of shifts as people shift and that's why I find it really interesting but at the same time just for like our personal beliefs the Enneagram kind of has a lot of roots and a lot of growth through churches and that doesn't mean that if you don't go to church or that's not your belief system that you can't get something out of it so we kind of wanted to share that with you guys today the first thing that I really want to make sure that you guys know is that we are not experts neither of us are Enneagram coaches that is actually a thing if you did not know that you can actually be trained in being able to coach the Enneagram we're not experts we're just interested but we feel like maybe we could help point people who don't know anything about it or want to know more in the right direction yeah that's a good point 
So, Allison, like, would you want to start off by just saying, like, where you first heard of the Enneagram? Because I actually don't know, like, what your answer is for that question. Yeah, well, the first time I heard about it was in a Bible study with some friends in my junior year of college uh, in the fall. And one of the two leaders of it was trying to kind of explain what it was. And that was, I feel like, the fall that it really started to just make itself very widely known in pop culture, especially in Bible study circles or on Instagram. That's the first time that I had seen it. And I was kind of like, I don't really know what this is. I like personality type stuff. I was in a lot of leadership things in high school where you had to look into them and study them. But I kind of at the time was not in the right headspace to read about it because I remember her telling me it's not for the faint of heart if you want to look into it and I was just kind of like I don't know what that means but if I'm gonna read a bunch of negative stuff I don't want to read this thing Um, but it wasn't until I was actually at Disney on the Disney college program my roommate Jenny had the book that I'm going to reference today. It's called The Road Back to You by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stable. And it's an amazing book, um, but it basically walks you through what the Enneagram is, um, kind of gives you an overview of each type as well as kind of the things that go into the types, and then encourages you to do a lot of study on your own and to figure out what your type is. And so Jenny was talking about it, and I just asked her if I could borrow the book. Another roommate of ours actually borrowed it too, and we both read it over the course of our program and just started to really dig into it more. So after I came home, I bought it myself. And then that's what kind of got me started on reading it, understanding it and interpreting what my number meant for myself. So it's been it's I've only really known about it for like a year and a half. But what about when did you discover it? Because you knew about it after this fact, because we had talked about it a lot like senior year. But I don't know when you found out about it either. So I actually like was found out about it and was like, given the test or whatever on my study abroad trip which was the summer before my junior year so after like from the very first like meeting with the Enneagram I was very interested in in it and if you guys don't know I mean Allison said it was a personality test so yeah you can either like take a test or you can just kind of like intuitively read about yourself right Allison yes So I actually did the test and it was from the book called the Enneagram Made Easy book. And it's kind of just like, I don't know, I'll go into this more later, but she, my friend Brooke on my study abroad program tested me on it and she tested like a whole bunch of other people at the same time. And then I have actually since then used that book to test other people. And I've found that it's very, very accurate and it definitely was accurate for me. So since then, I got obsessed with all the Enneagram Instagrams. That's like a hard word to say together. And like, I just wanted to talk about it to everyone. I just wanted to ask everyone, have you heard of the Enneagram? Do you know what the Enneagram is? So I'm really glad we're doing this episode. Well, so that we can jump into this, I'm going to give you guys a brief overview on the Enneagram if you've never heard of what it is. Essentially, it has a disputed background, but this personality typing system has roots in many different religious places. It's grown up in a lot of different traditions, but in the last few decades especially, it's become a tool for both understanding personality and using it using what you're learning about your personality to grow personally. So Ennea means nine and Gramos means diagram or symbol in Greek. So you smash those two together. I had no idea about that. Yeah, you get Enneagram. And so that is because this symbol that the Enneagram is based off of is a nine point 
symbol on a circle. Um, so if you've never heard of it and you hear that word, you might be thinking pentagram because it kind of does look like that. And I think that's oh why I hesitated gosh. into like learning it. Um, <laughs> but it really doesn't like pentagram is kind of the same principle because it's just two Greek words put together, but it's just nine and it's just nine and, and diagram. So a nine pointed diagram. Um, and each of those numbers around the circle is a specific type with a specific set of characteristics. The thing about these types is unlike other personality tests, maybe like Myers-Briggs or if you're maybe doing a Gallup Strengths where they just kind of get basically your reactions and tell you what that kind of means as far as traits that describe you or the way that you're going to react to situations, the Enneagram is set apart because it's focused on motivation. So each of the types on this system may have a stereotypical figure that is the head or what a lot of people may be like on the outside but the Enneagram is all about your motivation behind why you do things so motivation influences how we think how we feel how we're going to react so it makes sense that maybe we fit into some of these boxes like it makes sense that maybe one type is considered the enthusiast and so they're very adventurous and fun loving but there's a reason why they're adventurous and fun loving it's they're motivated for a certain reason by something Yes. And so like Lauren's type and my type, we, we kind of feel like we buy into what the overview of it is, but it's because we agree with the motivation behind things. So that's what makes it really different. The Enneagram's types are considered to be very they do not change. Once you discover your number, it will not change. Um, but a lot of experts say that you shouldn't look into what your number is until after your brain has finished developing. So Lauren, technically, you and I's brains haven't finished developing yet. I think we're like right on the cusp of that. We still have like a year. But I would say that you and I are pretty solid in what our types are because like it's like you couldn't take a seven-year-old and say like I no, think they're a they'd three. probably all be an enthusiast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe, but maybe I just except think... for you as like a seven-year-old, I just feel like you probably weren't enthusiast as a seven-year-old. <laughs> Actually, you would probably be surprised. Um, there's a whole theory <laughs> in this that's called like this the child. T I can't remember exactly what it's called, but there's this whole theory that you were really one number when you're a child, but like how you decided to cope with things is why you ended up the number you are and for ones it's actually a seven and so See, that is the book that's that so interesting. I um the book that I like have talked about that I learned through the Enneagram Made Easy it says to answer these questions as what you would answer before you were the age of 25 so I don't know like I think even if you're like 40 or 50, you're supposed to kind of look at it at what your like 25 year old self would have answered. Does that mm. sound right? I think so because it really, okay. if you're matured enough, you kind of are set in, set in a specific lifestyle or kind of yeah. the way that you react to you're things. You're more and pragmatic, so I think it's just like to get just naturally. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's just trying to get you to evaluate how you've always been or, you know. But anyway, we don't want that to overwhelm anybody. But the key thing about the Enneagram is motivation. I think that is what makes this so cool, Lauren, and I feel like you'll think that this is really neat, um, but I went back and looked in this book because it gives examples of ways that you can kind of see how the Enneagram is different because two archetypes of the Enneagram are ones, which are considered perfectionist, and threes, which are considered achievers. And so it talks about in the book, ones are motivated by this desire to be good where threes can typically be motivated by this desire to achieve or to not fail and so which both i feel like these, that can be kind of like overlapping and confusing yes, sometimes it can and so this example was talking about say that both a one and a three are trying to get a job promotion the one 
wants to get the promotion maybe because they're motivated by I feel like if I can get that job I can have a bigger impact on the company I can have a better chance to like do good things and be noticed by someone above me and have more influence around me to do good things the three might be thinking hey this is a bigger position it's a better pay it has more prestige I get the corner office like so both of the people are doing the same thing or want the same job but it's why they want it and why they're working for it that's different and I think that's so interesting that's really cool because even you and I sit around and talk I am an Enneagram one would you like to let the people know what your type is I know that you mentioned it earlier but just in case someone wasn't paying attention yeah I'm an Enneagram nine but did we talk about how after you take the test your like personality type is like either a one I'm a two I'm a three did we explain that Yes, I believe so. But just okay. to be just to be safe. Yeah, yeah I am um, a nine. And Lauren is a nine and that's considered the peacemaker. So like even Lauren and I, we're very similar in a lot of aspects, but we might do something for two different reasons. Like we were talking about making lists the other day and I can't remember exactly what you said, but you were saying something about like if I make a list, it's for X reason and I was saying, Oh, well if I make a list it's because of like I have to do it or I will not get things done or like I I don't, I don't remember but I we cannot were remember what that. we said yeah but it's just interesting how two people that can even be really similar if they have different types or like a different motivation the reason for doing something is so different yeah that is so cool we're gonna go into what the different types are in a minute and what their motivations are just based on study of the Enneagram over time um, but the thing that's really neat about this and why I'm so passionate about it is because I genuinely think the Enneagram can help you understand yourself so that you it can really get, can. Yeah. So you can get out of your own way. I think in college, I talked a lot about in previous episodes about ways that I kind of gave myself anxiety about things or didn't have confidence in myself, compare myself to other people. And studying the Enneagram kind of helped me understand why I do that and why I kind of put these burdens on myself that I wasn't intended to carry. And I feel like by acknowledging that vulnerable part of ourselves, that we can take what we learn and how we maybe like the negative aspects of our personality or of the way that we handle situations affects us so that we can grow from that and that we can learn not to be so hard on ourselves or stay stuck in a negative pattern and I also feel like it has a big tie-in to like your relationship with God and your relationship with the people around you and it really does understanding what makes them tick can help us understand how to better grow in our relationships together that was a lot of talking Lauren um do you have any thoughts on (laughs) this thing or like anything that you wanted to add before we kind of share the different types and what they are Yeah, I guess I would just say, like, besides this being, like, besides you being able to use this in your faith, which, like, I would argue overlaps in, like, every part of your life, but you could also use this in professional development, like, in your workplace with your coworkers. You can use it with your spouse or your partner. You can use it with your best friends. You can use it with your parents. And that's just one thing that I really like is how, like, interconnected it is with other people because I feel like with Myers-Briggs or, like, other things like that, it's kind of very self centered not self-centered in a bad way but just like (laughs) it's very self and I feel like the Enneagram really helps you like make those connections to other people because it's only nine different types so you're a lot 
more able to like relate to other people because of their number whereas with I'm in ENFJ on the Myers-Briggs and it's kind of hard for me to like remember what all the different things stand for so if someone tells me what they are I'm just a lot less likely to like realize Mm -hmm. how we relate to each other so I think it has a lot of like great relationship tools honestly Yes, it definitely does. And another thing I'd like to preface this with before we get started is the studying the Enneagram isn't necessarily as, I would say, like, light as looking at other things. Like, if you look at the Myers-Briggs, for example, it's cool yeah. because it gives you, like, personality type or um, kind of, like, adjectives, I guess, would you say, about yeah. yourself. Um, but the Enneagram will do that, but it also shows the negative aspects of things. And, like, the, each number has a strength, but then it has a weakness that derives from, like, exercising that strength too much. And so it's not necessarily always fluffy. It definitely goes into the mask that we can put on sometimes. That's kind of how the, one of the authors of these books that I yeah. reference a lot says it. Um, and so it's kind of showing how we can take that mask off, which has a lot of different meanings right now in this COVID world, but (laughs) like the, the actual, the personality mask that we feel like sometimes we have to hide who we really are, or like how we try to cope with things that maybe hurt us in the past, but realizing we don't have to do that all the time anymore. And I think that that's pretty cool. Now, Lauren, we know that there are skeptics out there. You live with a skeptic, (laughs) don't you? Preston is like one of the biggest Enneagram skeptics that I know. I mean, it's not that he's like berating me all the time, like, you should not look at that but he just like doesn't really believe in it at all I mean I have tested him and his Enneagram (laughs) number fits him to a T and it's just so aggravating to me that he won't accept it because it's just so him he's like one of the best typed people that I know like if a test was 20 out of 20 like you have to answer 20 questions Mm -hmm. I think Preston would be a 5 20 out of 20 so like for example one time we were sitting at copper cellar on a date and i'll never forget me being like do you know your enneagram number and he said yeah i'm o negative and i was just like (laughs) i cannot stand you right now (laughs) that's exactly i my friends that i worked with on our jumbotron show last year i would bring this book that i have that i read every saturday and i was trying to get one or two of the people I work with to read it because they were giving me a hard time about it and I was like if you just read it you know there's like there's some cool stuff in here you might actually like it and so I was telling them I'm a type one and I was trying to explain it seriously and then my friend who is now my roommate sent a list and it said people with type 1 diabetes and oh my gosh and I honestly thought it was really funny but I get it because there's there's a lot of people we have tried to indoctrinate into this cool camp that are like I don't want to be in the camp yeah like all the people I work with do not really believe in it or do not like go by it at all but like they're all such their numbers and I can just see it in our work like situations (laughs) but they don't believe it so I'm always like come on guys let's get into this well something I think is so interesting that a lot of Enneagram coaches or writers authors will say to try and bring skeptics onto the side of okay at least maybe just partially not scoff at it 100% is they'll talk about each type kind of represents a color and in that color you have millions of shades and hues of how that color can represent itself but you just are all connected by this color and so that's what's really cool is that 
you're connected by this motivation, by this principle, this way that you see the world, but it can manifest itself in so many different ways. And now Lauren and I are going to show you guys what those different ways are. Um, we're actually going to just go through a brief overview, pretty simple, of each of the nine types. So if you're not familiar with the types, we'll kind of give you the adjectives that the that authors use to describe it. I actually went through these adjectives and motivations come from two different sources. One is The Road Back to You, the book that I read earlier and then the Enneagram Institute which is a highly touted Enneagram school that has been teaching this for decades and was one of the first things in the North in North America to kind of teach the Enneagram and get people to understand the depth of it. Um, we'll actually link both of those things down in the show notes as well as a bunch of other resources if you're interested in learning more but I want you to know that's where the, these things come from and to keep it a little bit fresh Lauren and I are not only going to give you information about each type but we actually went and decided on some I would you say like examples of each yeah. type Lauren but yeah. one thing that is important to know is you're really not supposed to type people um and so it's like if people walk around and they're like lauren i think you're a seven or like whatever yeah, like you're that's not, not good you're not supposed to do that but we picked either celebrities or fictional people that are not necessarily people that one this is not something that's going to offend them we're not going to wreck their lives yeah we're like them. you're an eight and they're really a two and for some reason maybe they would be offended by that which you shouldn't because all the numbers are great in their own way um, yeah. but we just thought that would be kind of a fun way to help give you an idea of what these types mean so allison should people go test themselves right now if they don't know their number or what do you think I would say if you really are interested in the Enneagram and what we've said so far is something that is sitting with you and you're like, that sounds kind of interesting. I would say pause right here and maybe go to the Enneagram Institute's website yeah. or pick, look up a book or something, a resource online that's reputable and read through the types. Because for me, yeah. I felt like it was more helpful to actually read through each type and be able to have an idea of what type I thought I was in my head. If you don't really care that much and this is just a casual hang for you, cool. Go take a test. I recommend if you have an Instagram, go to the Instagram account, Your Enneagram Coach. The name on the top should be Yeah, Beth that's McCord. a good one. She has a really good test and it will give you percentage breakdowns of what she thinks you could be because it doesn't want to specifically place you in one. It's kind of confusing to say this, but depending on the type of or like day or mood that you're in, you could potentially mistype yourself, but I think hers is the most accurate. But it just kind of depends. If you want to learn more and you're actually interested, I would say don't take one yet. If you don't really care, go ahead and take one. It's not going to hurt anything. Yeah, if I was you and I was just listening to this the way that my brain works, I would go take the 30-minute like minute test from the Enneagram Institute online because I just want to know. Like, I don't want to, like... Yeah. I don't want to mull it over for a really long time. I just want to take a test yes. and find out. So Be warned, it is a lengthy test. Don't Yeah, it, it takes is worth probably it. 30 minutes, but it's worth it. <laughs> then you'll know your number. So. This is one other thing the critics say. And by the critics, I mean the two people I had take it, and they said, this is going to take me 40 minutes. Personal growth is worth it, people. We're going to get started with type 1. So type 1s are considered the perfectionist or the reformer, depending on where you look. They're considered to be rational and idealistic ethical, dedicated, and reliable. And the one's motivation is they're motivated by a desire to live the right way, improve the world, and avoid fault and blame. So if you think of it in the short sense, their motivation is to be good. So who do we feel like would represent this either in 
fictional worlds or in the real world, Lauren? Some names that come to mind would be C.S. Lewis, Martha Stewart, Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird, and Steve Rogers slash Captain America. I feel like that Captain America is just the best example that maybe most people are going to understand. But yeah, that's true. Also, why didn't we include resident co-host of Nice to Have a Friend, Allison Paris, is also an Enneagram 1. Yeah, Allison is the truest Enneagram 1. I don't think you ever wing anywhere else, Allison. I think you are forever a 1. For Type 2, Type 2 in both of the resources I used is dubbed the helper. They're considered to be the caring interpersonal type. Type 2s are warm, caring, and giving, and their motivation is that they want to be loved and needed. So to be loved and appreciated is what motivates them. So an example of this would be um, America's Sweetheart, Dolly Parton, Mother Teresa, or Molly Weasley from Harry Potter. Dolly but Parton, I also, Oh, I know. She's the best. I also want to point out that I feel like... This is completely wrong, Allison. We can cut this if we need to. I'm not this is completely wrong, but this may be completely wrong. I feel like twos are the most saturated in the Enneagram market. Like, I feel like a lot of people are typed as a two. And I feel like there are a lot of people who type themselves as a two and aren't actually a two, in my opinion. But I feel That's like... interesting. Yeah. Do you know, like, have you ever thought that before? I do feel like I see a lot of twos um, as far it's as like teaching. It's like a lot. And it, it would make sense because if twos like to be connected with people and want to help people. They might be the ones who take the test. Yeah. And yeah. want to share it with people and kind of get big in that field. So that does make sense. I was going to say, I feel like I see a lot of twos and threes. And so that would kind of make sense because like to be around people like to be do successful things so it would make sense which ties exactly into going into type three um, which is considered the performer or the achiever type threes are considered to be success oriented and pragmatic they're driven adaptive and image conscious their motivation is to be successful and to avoid failure or in short terms to feel valuable yeah, so a good way to kind of look at this one is by the examples that we're about to give, but basically all famous people that you've ever mm -hmm. thought of or you've ever watched on the big screen or in any capacity are threes. It's just like they're more naturally inclined to be a three because that's just like their personality is going for it. They are going yeah. for it all the time. Like and they're driven by success. So it makes sense yeah. that a lot of threes are it successful It totally people. makes sense. So for example, Taylor Swift, my favorite person on this planet. Who's that? Is probably a three. Allison, I'm not even going <laughs> to acknowledge you right now. But she is probably a three. Uh, just to remind you guys, like we do not know for sure that these people are threes. But it's just speculating. Probable. Yeah, but Tom Cruise, Oprah, Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec, and Princess Tiana from Princess and the Frog are all probably threes. Leslie Nope, I feel like what's interesting too is because fictional characters, we don't really know their motivations. They're not real people. But a lot of people argue about whether Leslie Nope is an Enneagram 1 or an Enneagram 3 because like I said earlier, yeah, people that's can true. seem similar, but it's their motivation. Personally, I put her in three. Leslie isn't necessarily driven a lot of times to be good. She really, well, I mean, like she can be, but I feel like she's more driven by success and like she doesn't want to fail and she has these big lofty aspirations to do good. Yeah. And so it's kind of confusing, but personally- And her moral compass can get off sometimes yes. when she's like trying to get something accomplished. Like she doesn't really go by the doctrine that like 
She goes by the doctrine that means justify the ends. And I feel yes. like that's not what a one would necessarily and do. Personally, I feel like Ben Wyatt, when he comes onto the show, I feel like he is more of an Enneagram one. Yeah, and so like, he while is. you can you can make the argument for either because these are not real people. So if you feel like Leslie's something else, please feel free to let me know because we could talk about this all day long. But I just think that she's a three. Moving on to type four. Type fours are either the romantic or the individualist, based on which source you're looking at. They're considered the sensitive withdrawn type. They're expressive, creative, and sensitive, and their motivation is to be understood and avoid being ordinary. So in short terms, to be significant. Some examples of this would be Michael Jackson, Johnny Depp, and my favorite fictional character of all time, probably, Anne of Green Gables. Allison does not know much about Anne Shirley, but we can save that for another episode. But I also wanted to point out that a lot of people would automatically type Taylor Swift as an Enneagram for because her songs are all about like romanticizing love and romanticizing relationships. And she's a three, so she can kind of like act like a four sometimes, which we can go into that later. Mm -hmm. But I think she's definitely a three. So that's kind of how you can like differentiate the three and the four. Now moving on to type five. Type five is considered the investigator. What's interesting about most of the types that are left is both of the sources I looked at dubbed these the same kind of like tagline name, which I thought was interesting. But type five is the investigator. They are considered the intense cerebral type. They're perceptive, innovative, and analytical, and their motivation is they're motivated by the need to gain knowledge and avoid reliance on other people. So in short terms, they want to be capable and competent. This is Preston's Enneagram number, and he is just like so a five. It's uncanny, honestly. He's just so... Like, the motivation to be capable and competent, that is so him. I think Preston would rather, like, jump out of a three-story building before he relied on anyone else. And I am, like, very reliant on other people. So, I just think that's so interesting. But enough about that. Bill Gates, Wes Anderson, which is our favorite director, Thomas Edison, Sherlock Holmes, and Severus Snape are all examples of the Enneagram 5. Type 6 is the loyalist. The loyalist is considered the committed, security-oriented type. They're responsible, practical, and witty. They're motivated by fear or the need for security, so short and sweet. They want to have security and support, so like a sense of stability. Yeah, my book says the motivation is fear, and I think I see that in a lot of six people, but it's not fear in a bad way. I think saying your motivation is fear sounds really mm -hmm. bad at first thought. But I promise it's not when you. I guys think it's read more of it. just like an observational, like what if this thing happened, or it's like yeah. you want to be prepared for all scenarios. I think yeah. is probably the better way to say it instead of like fear. Maybe would you say? Right, because fear kind of has like a negative connotation at first. Listen, but some examples of the top six include Tom Hanks, Bilbo Baggins from Lord of the Rings, and then C three PO, CP three O. Yes, C three PO. Yes. Which one is it? You, they're, you're saying all the same letters and numbers in this great sequential order. Yes, it is C-3PO. You did say that correctly. Um, and something I thought was interesting, the source that we looked at for this talked about how it, he is the only robot to wring his hands. I can't tell you that I'm the most up to speed on the Star Wars canon, but I know enough from being a Disney fan yeah, that I he feel like that. he fits into the Type 6 very well because he's trying to keep everybody on track in the right place. He's responsible. I thought Tom <laughs> Hanks being a 6 was kind of funny because, again 
we don't necessarily know these people, but if you look at a lot of the movies Tom Hanks is in, he's in Sully. He's the one landing the plane on the river. So he's keeping you secure. Cat, he survived being alone on an island like two or three different times and being he's taken been over by it. pirates. He was been bridge of spies. He was able to get spies home from Russia in the Cold War. He's he's someone you want on your side if you want security and safety as your motivation. Yeah, he really is. Now, for type 7, this is the enthusiast. Type 7s are considered the busy, variety-seeking type. They're spontaneous, adventurous, and versatile, and their motivation is the need to be happy and avoid pain. So they want to be satisfied and content. So the examples for a type 7 include Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, Sandra Bullock, Fred and George Weasley from Harry Potter, and Peter Pan. And I thought this type was interesting because basically every comedian was put into the boat of a type seven, which is funny because they're usually famous people. But instead of being a three, comedians tend to be typed as sevens, which I just think is interesting. Now, moving on to type eight. Type eight is the challenger. The challenger is considered the powerful, dominating type. They're decisive, commanding, and self-confident, and their motivation is to be strong and avoid weakness or vulnerability. Essentially, their motivation is to protect themselves. I know a lot of eights in my real life, so that's super interesting. But some examples of eights include Martin Luther King Jr., Winston Churchill, Barbara Walters, and on the fictional side, Joe March and Inspector Javert from Les Mis. I think this is interesting, too, because something that it doesn't say in this, but just from reading a lot about the Challenger, is the Challengers are very can be very justice-oriented. And so I think it's interesting that you have someone like Martin Luther King, because somebody might not necessarily think they're dominating you know like i don't feel like that's something you necessarily they fight for the underdog yeah it's like like. fighting for the underdog very justice oriented so that's a cool a group of people right there except for like inspector javert he's kind of mean but he's fake (laughs) so it doesn't matter all right and then type nine last but not least the peacemaker which is our other co-host here on nice to have a friend this is lauren's type a peacemaker is considered the easygoing accommodating type they are receptive agreeable and complacent motivation by a need to keep the peace and avoid conflict essentially to have inner stability and peace so different than the six because it's not necessarily stability as in security but it's stability through peace and kind of not having any tension yeah i 100 percent agree with that um some examples of this are whoopi goldberg barack obama abraham lincoln and then jane bennett from pride and prejudice pam from the office and pocahontas from the movie Pocahontas. I feel like my pop filter is about to go off a lot on that on the little piece. segment. Yeah, but what I think is really interesting about this is my spiritual gift. Way before I heard about the Enneagram, I identified my spiritual gift as the peacemaker, like in middle school. So I think that's super interesting when I like because I didn't even know that was the name of the top nine before I took the test, and that's like what I ended up getting. So yeah, fun fact. Well, those are the nine types of the Enneagram. So if you're interested in learning more, if you want to know more about these types, there are so many things that go into the Enneagram. The types are just scratching the surface. There are different theories about things such as Lauren talked about wings earlier. We're not going to go into that today because one, I need to do a lot of researching about wings to understand them better. But uh, there's 
different numbers that you can lean on um, depending on where you are that are next to your number so you could have two wings there's numbers that when you're in a healthier state of mind you lean towards this number if you're in an unhealthier state yeah. of mind you lean towards another and that's part of the reason why the Enneagram is so cool is it's very fluid while you have one type you borrow a lot from other numbers so if you've never heard this before and you just sat through that and you're thinking I feel like I really identify with like three or four of these numbers how am I supposed to figure that out I would definitely encourage you to study more about it that's what makes this tool so interesting is that you probably do identify with three or four of those numbers and there's reasons for that um, but if you're interested in learning more about that kind of stuff definitely let Lauren and I know because there are so many theories and subjects and deep pockets of the Enneagram that we would be interested to talk to you guys about or could help you learn more or point you in the right direction and like I said earlier we'll leave a big resource pile in the show notes for people who are looking um, but instead of talking more about the educational level of the Enneagram Lauren and I wanted to end today talking to you about why this fits into our change season because we feel like it helped us grow a lot and wanted to talk about that with you guys today. So I feel like the Enneagram fits into the season of change for me because it really comes from this standpoint of being self-aware for me. Like I feel like I lived a long portion of my life without being super self-aware and I still don't consider myself 100% self-aware, but I think I've definitely way more than I used to be and better at that. I've also become better at taking criticism. Like when I first started interning and working, if I got like criticism on my work that I submitted for approvals, I would seriously go into the bathroom and cry and like have a meltdown. And over this time of college and the Enneagram, I have gotten so much better at accepting criticism, constructive criticism and like learning that it's not a personal attack. And like yeah. the Enneagram really, really did that for me. And it just honestly, also, I have to remind myself that I can't use the Enneagram as a cop-out for the way I'm acting. Like, I can't just mm -hmm. say, well, I'm a nine, so of course I'm going to act that way. I'm not going to change acting in this, like, toxic way because it fits in with my Enneagram number. I'm allowed to act this way. But instead, like, through reading, I've really noticed that those negative things that the Enneagram says about you aren't supposed to be cop-outs. Like, they're supposed to be, yeah. like, challenges to grow. And I think that's how the Enneagram, like, really deeply helps me become a better person. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that's something that when I would talk to friends that are skeptical of this, I had one friend in particular and he was saying to me, you know, people put this in their Instagram bio or they say, like, oh, I'm being such a one today or something. And I was... Like, you know, I understand that because that's how, if you're using it very casually, that's what it can be. Like, if that's what you want it yeah. to be, that's fine. But this is meant to be so much deeper. It's supposed to be about a lot of heart work and soul work. And so it takes a lot, I feel like, of, I don't know what the word is, but I guess gumption or at least like knowledge yeah. of yourself to be like, it's you know what, I have things I need to work on. And not just yeah. a personality test that you take once and done. Like, this is truly an ongoing project for self-improvement, not... Yeah anything else so it's and that awesome. doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the instagram accounts people create that say like oh, what disney princess do. is your enneagram number because lauren and i love those and we those love as them well. but i feel like you can appreciate those things when you understand the depth of what this work really does the Enneagram has helped me not get mad at my shortcomings. So for me, and the way that it manifests in ones is I've realized that I really repress my anger. I don't allow myself to show my anger outwardly very often because I feel like if I do, I don't want people to be mad at me. And I feel like it's also not a, 
a good kind emotion a lot of times and so because I'm always trying to be good or to be good enough or whatever I don't let myself get mad I don't like to people to see me sad I don't like them to see me cry because it feels like that's a chink in my armor and I'm not perfect anymore and so it's like I've realized through this that I have to let myself feel and I have to let myself be vulnerable and I even have to allow myself to breathe and not let the inner critic bother me because I can't be perfect I'm already good enough and so just taking that time to do that reflective work of these are the ways that my strengths are going a little overboard and turning me into being like a crazy critical person and I have to rein it in and like breathe and take those steps forward and I think that that's a in, such an integral part of growing up is learning how to recognize that the way that you do things isn't the way other people do things and you have to breathe and take a step back and learn how to love other people where they're at and love yourself where you're at too and that's what this has helped me do so I have a quick question would you say you're more of the perfectionist type or this isn't but of the type one would you say that you align better with the title of the perfectionist or the the reformer um I think both are accurate I think for me I've always seen it as the perfectionist because not that this is a bad thing but I think I it's this it's the biggest weakness I have because I overthink everything and I never think anything I do is good enough and so I personally relate more to that one partially because it's the first one I came across I didn't think of it as the reformer but I think the reformer is the why behind the perfectionist if that makes sense so personally I relate more to the perfectionist because I saw it first but I think the reformer makes sense because there's a reason why that critical nature and that perfectionism is there. And I think it's because you want to reform yourself or reform things around you and leave yeah. things better than you found them. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, there's so much more to the Enneagram, but we hope that this conversation gives you a better insight into what it's all about. Like we mentioned before, if you have any questions, want to discover your type, or just want more Enneagram content, please let us know. You can message us on our Instagram. You can reach out to Lauren and I, but we'll also leave a bunch of links in the show notes below this episode so that you can have resources to learn from. We'll put podcasts, books, websites, even some Instagram accounts that Lauren and I love if you just want some lighthearted Enneagram fun, but feel free to ask us any questions. We aren't experts, but maybe we can point you in the right direction. Yeah, and I would love to know if anyone takes the Enneagram test because of this podcast or because of anything that we share or what we've said, please let us know. Yes. I think that would be so fun to hear. So message us on Instagram, comment on our post from this episode, just reach out. Lauren, I feel like we might have to put a post on our Instagram and ask if people know their type to share it in the comments. I yeah. feel like it would be interesting to hear what the cross-section of, of our, followers our are. listeners are. Yeah, that would be kind of interesting. I'm going to go ahead and predict that we won't have that many sevens because I feel like sevens aren't sitting around listening, listening to, podcasts. to a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably really busy doing like cool, awesome things. We're like probably going to get some fives, some nines, some eights. I think probably a lot of get... ones. Uh, probably I a lot we'll of have ones. a lot of ones and nines and I think we have a ton of our two friends who already listen to us because they want to support us and like make sure that we're thriving yes. so hey all you do is we see you and even though you're not supposed to type people I've typed my whole family and there's only four of us so it's not that yeah hard. well five with Catherine too but I Catherine already knew her type so that doesn't really count that's my sister-in-law by the way hi Catherine she listens she's a very big supporter but it was kind of easy to figure out my family because my dad and I are the exact same and then my brother and my mom were pretty easy to figure out that's hilarious i need to type my family now that you just mentioned that which again don't do that don't type random people (laughs) we're just do don't do what we do what we tell you don't do what we say 
or whatever. You know what I mean? That made no sense, but I love it. And that wraps up season one of Nice to Have a Friend podcast. Woo, we are doing a dance in like the virtual sphere of this podcast. But thank you all so, so much for listening to the first six episodes of Nice to Have a Friend. We are just blown away by how many people have listened to this, how many people have messaged us in our personal lives. And just thank you to anyone who has listened to even one episode, our trailer, been to our website, our Instagram. It truly means so much. This was like a big leap of faith for both of us. We had never done anything like this or never seen ourselves doing this in our lives so it's just been the biggest blessing to like kind of wrap up that summer of quarantine and just thank you so much I think Lauren and I can both agree that part of the reason we wanted to do this was because of you guys and even though we're small there's not a ton of people here yet I think just the support that we have gotten and the feedback we've gotten has been very reassuring because the reason Lauren and I want to do this is because we are friends but we also know that sometimes you need someone in your life to just be real with you and talk to you about where they're at and Lauren and I are definitely going through a lot of ups and downs with things and we hope that that is what you've taken away from this or that at some point you've laughed or you've smiled or you've learned something and if you have then Lauren and I are over the moon because that's been the whole reason we wanted to do this in the first place so seriously from the bottom of both of our hearts thank you so much for listening Um, we are already super pumped and excited about season two like unbelievably surprised at some things that are working out and we're so excited for you guys to hear about it now we will say we are ending season one today but season two is not far off you will get some content next tuesday about season two it will be a shortened episode kind of explaining to you what we're doing and what you can expect and then we will be jumping fully into season two starting two weeks from now Yes, so excited. So make sure to stick around. But in the meantime, we have a small favor to ask of all of our amazing supporters who are listening right now. Please, please, please follow us on Instagram, interact with our posts. It would mean so much to me and Allison. We're both just sitting there texting, coming up with captions and photo ideas, and we just would love some interaction. Also, please share this podcast with someone you love, either on social media or by word of mouth. And also, if you have time, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you could do one of these things by the time season two starts, it could help reach some people who might just need some friends to talk to. And at the same time, it would just help Lauren and I meet some new people as well. So we are so grateful to have you guys here. Thank you for sticking with us. We will see you with our first mini episode introducing you to season two next Tuesday. But for the meantime, thank you for joining us. And we hope this episode and this first season have reminded you that it's nice to have a friend. Bye, everybody. Bye. I have tears in my eyes. <laughs>